Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This, this, this is an Intel Studios production. Hi, and welcome to Making the Cut. Hello. Hello. Um, how have you been, Michael? Uh, I've been very well. I've been very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, you know, I'm a hairdresser, so I've been doing people's hair, for mm-hmm. off, making My people hair. happy. Making me happy. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the great perks of that job, is it's largely kind of cheering people up. And there's something very nice about that because I get the after effects of all, I get the side effects of making people happy, which is to be to feel quite happy. And having been mm-hmm. at the receiving end of or being in the chair mm-hmm. while you do my hair, mm-hmm. it is like therapy. Yes, you you therapied me. Did I therapize you for, for many many years? <laughs> yeah, I mean I find that with a lot of clients. I mean I I think if I stopped being hairdressing a hairdresser, I, I'd probably quite like to become some kind of clinical psychologist because be most great. of the enjoyment I get from doing people's hair is the chat, and uh, I'm a big fan of big talk. I don't like small talk. I like medium to big talk. So I won't ask you about holidays or anything like that. I'm more likely to ask you something very serious. Um, And personal. Yeah, and very, Mm. very personal. But that's where the meat is, right? That's where all the fun is, you know. I just got back from Manchester. Um, Oh, yeah. You went out on the razzle-dazzle. I did go. I did a job there and I went out on the razzle-dazzle. I've just got to tell uh, our listeners Mm -hmm. uh, what happened to you. So Michael said to me, uh, I'm going up and doing this job, um, but, you know, I'm definitely uh, not going to drink too much uh, while I'm up there because I just, you know, I'm just going to pace myself. And then he calls me, he goes, I've had three vodka and cranberries and it's 6.30. I was like, it's 6.30, three vodka and cranberries. Is this you guys? It's so oh, funny. God. I was like, oh my God, it's not going to go. It's not yeah. going to end well, Michael. I was eating Chinese food at one thirty <laughs> the following morning uh, with a guy I'd never met before. <laughs> It was uh, it was brutal, but when in Manchester, you got to do as the Mancunians do. Got to get stuck in, right? You got to get stuck yeah. in. So it was a good night, but I'm still in slight recovery from that. But all fun, right? And yeah. we went to see Tim Minchin. Omg! Omg! We're going to talk about that a bit mm-hmm. later on. Um, and what have you been up to? I have been filming for Long Lost Family, mm-hmm. um, so uh, we've got another series of that coming up very soon. Is it emotionally exhausting or just fascinating and interesting? It's not just emotionally exhausting, actually. It it's is. Uh, I I carry Nikki and I and all the production team carry an enormous burden of responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure that our contributors are okay. Mm-hmm. That's all we care about. And it's interesting, this idea of carrying responsibility gives your life more meaning. meaning Would purpose. you say that that was the case, that carrying the weight of this yeah, show not... is more, makes it more meaningful? Yes. I, w- I mean, I've never thought about the show doing that for me because I've always thought about the responsibilities that I need to bear mm-hmm. to bring more meaning to my life mm-hmm. has been to do with my family and providing for my family and putting food on the table and a roof over their heads. And um, that idea of 
get as much responsibility as you can, yes. put it on your shoulders and your life will have even more meaning yeah. and you'll feel amazing. But I, interestingly, I've never thought about long lost families contributing to that. But now that you said it, it does, yeah, it does. I mean, that show... You must have learned some very valuable lessons oh, on that show. I've learned so much. Yeah. Okay, so what are we going to talk about? So I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about um, a charity. It's, um, it's a group charity. It's called The Good Gym. And I found them at a thing that I go to every year called the Founders Forum. And I, and I heard about them through that. And I thought, oh, I'm going to follow them online. Anyway, I love these guys. They do good all over the country. And I'm going to tell you a bit more about them in a minute. Okay. What are you talking about? Uh, so I'm going to tell you about a film I went to see this week uh, called The Irishman. And it's Martin Scorsese's latest movie with uh, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci and Al Pacino. Now, Al Pacino and, and, and Robert De Niro have only ever appeared in one other film together before, which Heat. was called Heat. That's great. I think there was some kind of theory that they were never in the studio together at the same time, or they didn't act opposite each other for more than about one scene. Why? I don't know. It's just the way that the, the filming schedule worked out. So it was this idea that they'd never really been together in a movie in this way before. So um, I went to see it, but I'll tell you a bit more about it mm. um, because I'm not entirely sure you would like it. <gasps> I know. Shall I kick off with The Good Gym? Yeah. So The Good Gym, basically, Ivo, this guy Ivo, started it because you are more likely to stick to exercise. And this is definitely something that um, people have have made a complaint about, kind of exercise is something that you start, you're really going great guns. You know, January, everybody works out for the whole of January. And there is an absolute correlation between you know, DVD sales or I mean, mm-hmm. sort of mid-February to the end of February and you've missed the window. Okay. Like it's gone mm-hmm. because people just stop. And the chap that set up this website just thought, how can we keep motivating people to exercise but also do good in the world? And not just about doing good in the world but making the runner feel really good about themselves mm-hmm. as well. So it's a sort of running club but that has a charitable element to it. And he knows uh, that you're more likely to stick to an exercise regime if you know that someone's depending on you. Okay. Or something is depending Mm. on you. So they have um, three reasons to run. So there's sort of three variations that you can do. Um, There's one called uh, a mission run. And a mission run is when you go and help um, older people with sort of a one-off task. So if somebody is saying, um, my washing line fell down in the garden, um, you would put on your running gear, mm-hmm. you'd find out who they are and where they live, you'd run over there, that would be your exercise. Okay. You'd talk to somebody who possibly doesn't get talked to lonely. at all in the days, yep. a bit lonely, you say, come on, let's go and have a look at your washing line, you mm-hmm. put the washing line up, do that, maybe have a cup of tea and leave okay. and run home run again. Home. <laughs> so that's an hour, an hour and a half or something, but mm. it's not that much time out of your day. Mm. Um, you get to do some fitness and feel good about yourself at the same time. And then fix the, a problem for someone. And fix a problem. Okay. The other one is coach runs. Now, that would be uh, a regular visit to see somebody um, who's very isolated or lonely and okay. you just go every week and you go for like half an hour. So you run there, mm-hmm. talk for half an hour, and then leave again. Okay. Now, for a lot of people, that one visit once a week might be the only connection that they have oh, yeah. with another human. Mm-hmm. And so, so important 
that they have some kind of lifeline out there. But at the same time, what I think is brilliant is that, you know, people that love running, like I love running, Mm -hmm. it means that you can do the thing that you love and help someone Yes. St- who's struggling with loneliness, which is great. And then there are group runs. Now, these group runs are mega. Mm-hmm. Um, a group run, so say there is a good gym card, if there are good gyms all over the country. And um, a group run is something where all the people from, say, a good gym card, if they'll be sent out a message. And I read something on Twitter this morning that said that um, this evening, 26 good gym runners helped the Sammy... Samye Foundation and they distributed leaflets promoting upcoming events. So Samye Foundation um, promotes mindfulness. Okay. And so they, uh, the Good Gym guys went and distributed leaflets promoting upcoming events at the centre. They got rid of weeds and leaves from the car park of the centre and they litter picked the streets of Canton. Um, and there's a photo by Christmas tree of the gang. <laughs> and there's lots of photos on here. And the lovely thing about that is group running's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to talk to people, you get to meet lots of people, lots of like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And again, go and do an amazing good deed. There have been 177,000 and 13 good deeds done wow since when um by good gym and they're all over the country it's ivo gormley started it i'm not it's a few years okay it is a few years uh 2009 that's when they started so 10 years what do you do you just go online Uh um and you find the group that's nearest to you so if you live near a big city there is a chance that there's going to be a good gym there but um if there isn't one in st albans you could start one. Okay. It's just about kind mm-hmm. of um, getting in touch with Good Gym, saying, you know, we haven't got one in St. Albans, we'd like to get one started. Okay. And then the more your local community know that you are there, the mm-hmm. more they will start calling on you. Um, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, I mean, I watch Question Time every week, and there's a sense on Question Time that the people in the audience are essentially waiting for the government or parliament or whatever to make the, some, something happen for them. It's like, you're not doing enough for me here. We've got problems on the roads. We've got problems in the schools and all the rest of it. And it's slowly people are coming to the conclusion, actually, they probably could do them themselves, themselves. right? We mm. could fix a lot of problems if we actually all just got together and did something rather than kept waving our stick at, at Westminster. Um, and I think probably Westminster could get on with doing perhaps a slightly better job if maybe they weren't burdened by some of the stuff that we could perhaps fill, uh, fix ourselves. Does it? There's a sense of that in this, presumably, is there? Because there are community jobs. They're not just specific private jobs. Are they? No, no, it's for the community. And it's for it will, it will always be good deeds for good people. So this mm-hmm. um, foundation that they went to do the car park of, they're a well-being kind of foundation that want to help people with mindfulness mm-hmm. and um, meditation. So you can see that they are also doing good in the community. Yeah. So Good Gym would go and help them do more good. Mm-hmm. But I think the other fascinating thing is with people having less money and times are hard this bartering thing mm-hmm. is i mean running and doing a good deed if if there if there wasn't the running involved i think it would be quite hard to find volunteers but people are obsessed with exercise and they want to do their exercise and if you, i give you a reason where two times a week yeah, you have to go and do it because people are depending on you yeah. you're kind of grateful for mm-hmm. it so are you are you just like retweeting stuff from them? I or are you going to go and do this? I, I, well, I live in Tunbridge Wells mm. and there isn't a good gym in Tunbridge Wells. And my job means that mm. it is very, very hard for me to commit to. And I don't have a nine to five job, so I can't yeah. say I'm free every night or I'm free every Tuesday night because mm. my 
my thing always changes, but I help them in every single way that I can because I think they are the most brilliant. I mean, they get a 10 out of 10 review mm-hmm. from me. It is okay. an absolute no-brainer if you love running so, and you want to do good deeds, even join, if you join could, a good gym. You could help set that up and somebody else could, yes, could exactly. manage it. That would be a good thing. And you can just go online and look up the good gym and it tells you what to do there and how to find your local I go through phases of like exercising a lot for like three weeks and then nothing for a month. Like it is a nightmare. I also find it extremely mm. difficult to fit work working out in. Mm. And I never want to work out. Everybody sort of seems to think that I skip to the gym. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's no. really... You like roll into it. <laughs> claw, claw, claw your Roly way through the door. <laughs> through the door. No, but I do know because I've spoke to you a lot about just how difficult yeah. it is sometimes for you to kind of motivate yourself to go. Yeah. And it's always funny when I speak to people about you and they go, oh, she's just fitness mad. It's like She's always in the gym. You'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah. she's always eating Maltesers, basically. <laughs> so I went to see a film this week with my friend for his 50th birthday. I said, what do you want to do for your 50th? He was like, go to the cinema. We went to see The Irishman at the uh, Curzon Cinema in Bloomsbury uh, on an afternoon this week. It's over. They're all gone. Frank, it's time. It's time you say what happened. (laughs) Frank, I want you to meet my cousin, Russell Buffalino. Better watch, there's a lot of tough guys around here. Did he tell you? You're not afraid of tough guys, are you? Yeah. I didn't think so. I was one of a thousand working stiffs until I wasn't no more. You got a good friend here. You don't know how good a friend you got. Russell, he took a shine to me right away. After a while, he started giving me little things to do. It's three and a half hours long, this movie. <gasps> no. Yeah. Are mean, you serious? Three hours, 20 minutes long. Is there an interval? Long. No interval. What? Yeah. I mean, the last movie I went to see with an interval was Titanic. I've never seen a movie with an interval since. I don't know how long Titanic is, but it's probably shorter than that. I didn't even know that it was allowed legal to yeah, make a film that long. It was absolutely brutal. So we took a packed lunch and everything with us, you know, <laughs> to see us through. Um... So to tell you, I guess, a little bit about the film, it's Martin Scorsese's latest film. I've loved most of his films. I watched The Departed recently because I think that's on Netflix. And God, what a brilliant film that is with DiCaprio and Matt Damon and um, Ray Winston and Jack Nicholson. Uh, It's superb. I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant movie maker. And of course, he's filled this movie with his favourite actors. Um, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's the first time Scorsese's worked with Al Pacino. So um, he's in it, and he plays a very big part in it. And he plays a a kind of famous real character of Jimmy Hoffa, who was the uh, head of these uh, unions in in America and was a very, very powerful man. Um, But he controlled a lot of corrupt money, shall we say. The lead is played by Robert De Niro, uh, and he plays the Irishman, a guy called Frank. The metaphor for it is that uh, I paint houses, which means I kill people. So this is a theme that runs through the film, is are you the guy that paints houses? And he says, yeah. And I also do my own carpentry as well, which means I clean up after the effect. You know? 
So you know what it's a gang- it's going to be a gangster film. It's based on a, a quite a true story, I believe, in a book that Robert De Niro had, had read a few years ago and was desperate to make this film. And I don't know whether they've all just got to an age where they've decided this will be the last time they ever get to make this film. Well, I wonder, is it Scorsese's goodbye? Is it his swan song? It certainly feels like that, mm. yeah. But it's interesting he's chosen Netflix to do that with. But mm. I assume Netflix has got so much money, it's a no-brainer. I mean, they're releasing this film... Two weeks on a cinema release and then you can watch it on Netflix. And I've noticed there's a couple of other movies coming out doing the same. I always thought that you should just release them simultaneously in the movie theatres and available to buy on iTunes or something like that. Um, So it seems we're getting closer and closer to that. I know Spielberg made some kind of speech last year at, at one of the award ceremonies thinking it wasn't. It didn't seem right that Netflix were making movies, which I thought seemed a bit peevish of him, really. I thought, why can't you open the, the monopoly up of movie making across the board to all sorts of different people that could put it out? But don't you think that Netflix is a monopoly, slightly? It's becoming well, a monopoly. Certainly like... not in the movie business, because it's only made TV so far, but mm. it seemed anxious that it had ventured into the movie world. But we could get into a debate about Netflix another time. What I would say about this film is that I won't go into too much detail about the story, but um, there, are, there are problems with it. One is the age of the people in it. They are too old, I think, and they look way too old because there's a bit where it... So, for instance, it drifts around. It goes from a, probably 1969 to about 1985, and the only way you can determine what stage you're at in that time frame is through people's hair. And I know this from working in movies on hairstyles and stuff like that, is you have to change the hair to kind of give the viewer an idea of where he is. There isn't a big enough change in their hair so you can't work out exactly where you are in the film, I don't think. Because visually, problem. otherwise, they all look exactly the same. Yes. Now, they have done some amazing things with De Niro's face to make him look young. So it goes back to him, let's say, being in his late 30s. He's married with a couple of young kids. And the thing is, his face looks young. It doesn't look 38, but it could pass as 50, maybe. Bear in mind, he's probably pushing 80 in real life. But he's got the physique of an old man, and it's hard to disguise that, really. Um, and on Graham Norton, Graham Norton even said to him, how did you, did you worry about your physique looking? And he said, oh, I didn't really care about that. He said, I just let all the, the, the tech team worry about that. But I think you can't, didn't, you can't escape the fact that he looks like an old man pretending to be a young man. Did so, you, did, sorry, did you find that off-putting? For me, yes, very off-putting. Because you can't concentrate on the story because you're too busy going, oh, how have they done that to his face? There's yes. a facelift going on there. How much of that is CGI? There are his own teeth. Joe Pesci is the, the other kind of interesting one in it because he is very, very old in real life and where they've tried to make him look young, again, you're just transfixed by the, you know, the prosthetics and the CGI that they've done to his face. Uh, is too distracting. Al Pacino, they've done the same with as well, of course, and the women in in the movie, um, they've also done the same with. So should they have got younger actors? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Mm. Um, I mean, to play them. Uh, yeah. And then maybe they could have done the older one. Yeah. And I mean, how you do that, I don't know really, because of course in The Godfather, you had um, the young Don Corleone was played by Robert De Niro and played by Marlon Brando as an older guy. They seem to successfully do that. Whether you could find a young Robert De Niro or not, I just don't know. Mm. He is superb uh, as an actor, but I don't think this is anywhere near his best work. And he never lets himself go. There's two two or three things I love to see from an actor, and DiCaprio does this really well, which is when he shouts... 
Like, he's the best shouter of a movie you've ever seen. Have you seen Revolutionary Road with him and Kate Winslet? Oh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, he's so good when he's sad and angry. And De Niro's the same when he goes mad. You're in the film, like, thinking, oh, my God, this is terrifying. He never lets go, really, in the film at all. There's another scene with Al Pacino where he does try and do the big, um, you know, the, the big outrageous moment. But you can't help feeling that it's Al Pacino acting the big outrageous moment. It's not like Jimmy Hoffa is, you know, outraged by something. And there is a bit in it where me and Andy discussed where he appears to forget his lines. That's exactly what it looks like. And he plays out this thing where he keeps repeating this statement over and over again and then goes on to say the rest of the the thing. But you're sat in the cinema thinking, you've forgotten your line here and you're playing it out. And you both thought that? We both thought that. We both went to Yo Sushi afterwards for a debrief and we both said he forgot his line there, right? <laughs> and I mean, he might not have done it, might, but it just all looked a bit too hammy for me. I mean, um, or is it a case of um, they've been in the business for so long that mm. he'd forgotten his line, the director went, I think you forgot your line, and he goes, no, I meant to do that. Yeah, and yeah. everybody goes, oh, okay, amazing acting. That's exactly, but actually, uh, he's thinking, oh, brilliant, we don't have to do another take because I really want to get back to my yeah. uh, Winnie Baker and put oh, my feet fine. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was a, a lot of it that felt like that. The movie never really gets going at all. There's a great conundrum in there where someone's got to murder somebody they really don't want to murder, but they haven't really got a choice. And that's the most interesting bit of the film, and that's in the last 20 minutes, I would say. <gasps> Up to that point, it is meandering for a really long time, and I would recommend that if you're going to watch it, I would just break it down into three parts. Hour-long uh, yeah, parts. And, uh, and watch it like that. Because, you know, I was fidgeting a lot throughout the movie, um, and I was finding myself just criticising, I guess, bits of it rather than just being immersed in this world that Scorsese had created. And he's clearly a master, a master movie maker. But um, I was hugely disappointed, really, by it. Um, I, IMDb have given it. Let me have a quick look, because there is some... Um... Is it... Think about the film with um, my goggles on. Mm-hmm. Will I like it more than you did? Uh, no. I think you'll be pretty much fast asleep very quickly. Um, 8.7 it gets on IMDb. But is that 10,000 reviews? No, I think it's like, what is it they call it? The Emperor's New Clothes. Yes. Like it's Scorsese, it's De Niro, exactly. it's Pacino, it's Pesci. It's like what's not to like. But I don't know if anybody's really watching it properly. I, I mean, I definitely wouldn't sit through it again. So wow. if you are going to watch it, I've got to watch, watch it alone. And I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't hate a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
forget it. It's just not worth sitting through again. Yeah, you'll have to watch it on your own. I'd give it a six out of ten. <gasps> wow. Uh, which is not is not great, really, is it? There is one scene which I do want to just, just talk about because this is the thing that really made me laugh is that um, his daughter, who's probably about an eight-year-old girl who's been to the grocery store and has been manhandled by the guy who owns the grocery store. I don't know why. She might have been touching the fruit and veg or something like that. Anyway, De Niro goes around there to give him a good kicking. And he drags him out of the store and starts beating him up in the street. But De Niro's an 80-year-old man. And, of course, he's pretending to be 38. But his whole posture and everything is like an old man trying to beat somebody up. It, it, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And it's a real problem in a movie because you're supposed to believe it. Yeah, I mean, if you're you thinking can't. about anything other than the story... Yeah. Or the, if you're thinking about the acting yeah. or the makeup or mm. anything like that, or the music's distracting. Mm. I mean, it is really complicated making a perfect movie. Yeah. So I'm excited about this. Oh. Um, talking about this because Tim Minchin, um, we went to go and see his show, and um, it was a birthday present. You got the most amazing seats Mm -hmm. ever. So we were in the second row um, of Tim Minchin. There was only one row in front of us, and it just so happened that on that particular night, the only two people in the entire of the Apollo Theatre that didn't turn up were the two people in the seats in front of us. (laughs) So effectively, we had a clear line of sight Mm -hmm. straight to Tim Minchin, who seemed to be sat on a speaker in front of us for most of the concert. It was like it was 10 yards away to or something us. like that. It was quite weird, wasn't it? It was amazing. I made up this idea that I'd bought all four seats, you know, as a proper <laughs> birthday present. That's why oh, what, you didn't turn up. No, sadly, it was, oh, a, it was okay. a joke. But wow. Yeah. I mean, you introduced me to Tim Minchin mm-hmm. quite a long time ago, but he had already been around for quite a long time and mm. I seemed to have completely missed the boat. And I remember you'd sent a couple of things to me and you know when stuff gets lost yes. in a stream and it kind of disappears and then you sent another thing to me. I thought, I really must look at this guy. OMG. If you haven't uh, been online and watched some of the... I mean, how, how would you describe it? Because he is a musical genius. Yes, so he is. So playing the piano, his, his, his musicality mm-hmm. is quite extraordinary and I love the fact that... Um, at the beginning of the show, he did this song where he likes playing in F major, but he likes singing in F sharp. I like nothing more than playing instruments in F. It warms the very cockles of my heart. The trouble is that F can leave me vocally, but F, you see, I like playing in F major, but I like singing in F sharp. F sharp. He said, if you're tone deaf, you're not going to understand any of this concert at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is uh, a song that you'll find hilarious if you've got great musicality. And so I'll just keep playing in F major and singing in F sharp. F sharp. F sharp. Unless you can distinguish between F sharp and, and F. F. Then it's just a song. So it but, was so... I mean, we both play the piano and yeah, sing a bit. Yeah. To try and sing in a different key that you're playing yes. is virtually impossible. I mean, the guy's just off the charts brilliant. And lyrically, he's a poet. Oh, completely. A beautiful poet. Yeah. I know, I don't really know a lot about his background, but you think he was in musical theatre in Australia. Um, so he knew how to write, and he'd been playing the piano, I think, for a very, very long time. But I don't think he'd 
been taught particularly. I think he'd had a few lessons, but he'd largely learned himself. Um, but my dad introduced to him. He's got a DVD, a comedy DVD called I Am So Effing Rock. And my dad put it on one Christmas. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. How long ago was that? Six years ago, wow. maybe. And he had a... He, he basically, I think, was... was in bands and writing musicals in Australia and brought a comedy show to the Edinburgh Fringe one year. So did it have no music in it then, the comedy show that he did? Yeah, it no, must have had it, music. It was, it was just yeah. him and a piano. Right. And there was probably 15 songs, all of them brilliant, but some of them outrageously good, you know, and creating metaphors around comparing love to getting cancer and stuff like that, which sounds like horrific. He's edgy, isn't he? Very edgy like, and very thought he'll start a th- song and I think... Yeah. I'd like my butt cheeks slightly cl- sort of clenched. Mm. I think, oh my God, you know, am I going to have to cross my legs in a minute because this is so uncomfortable? And then it all goes away yeah. and we're all okay and he doesn't step into the dark or, side. Or, or he does, but he lets you know, yes. you know, he lets you know it's absolutely safe to go there. I mean, when he was singing about gingers, that was quite funny. I'm allowed to call myself a ginger, but you're not. Yes. Because you aren't one. Well, and of course the letters of ginger are the same letters of the horrible n-word yes. of course i think that, that and he played on the idea of of those letters creating something offensive that can't be you because all there is no thing. n in ginger gin. oh gin yeah there is i take that back <laughs> cut that bit out yeah. oh no don't cut it out yeah cut yeah it out. keep that in yeah, no, yeah cut it out um so i mean which is a brilliant idea yes. right that, that you, yeah. you we all think he's going to sing about one thing and then you yes. think he goes on to sing about ginger um uh so, yeah, he, he came from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, did an amazing job there. He got one terrible, terrible review from someone, I think from The Guardian, a guy called Phil Doust, and he wrote a song yes. specifically for the guy who'd criticised his I mean, his how work, terrible. Which I thought was quite interesting, but it, it didn't warrant criticising. I think he was right to be offended by it, because you just couldn't not rate this performance. It was brilliant so if you want to watch is, is the first dvd you, you should watch that the other thing that mm. you really have to watch if you're going to um look up to mention on youtube is the fantastic speech that he made at the university don't seek happiness happiness is like an orgasm if you think about it too much it goes away Keep busy and aim to make someone else happy and you might find you get some as a side effect. We didn't evolve to be constantly content. Contented Homo erectus got eaten before passing on their genes. Three, remember it's all luck. You are lucky to be here. You are incalculably incalculably lucky to be born and incredibly lucky to be brought up by a nice family that helped you get educated and encouraged you to go to uni. Or if you were born into a horrible family, that's unlucky and you have my sympathy, but you are still lucky. Lucky that you happen to be made of the sort of DNA that went on to make the sort of brain which, when placed in a horrible childhood environment, would make decisions that meant you ended up eventually graduating uni. <laughs> well done, you, for dragging yourself up by your shoelaces, but you were lucky. You didn't create the bit of you that dragged you up. They're not even your shoelaces. <laughs> I suppose I worked hard to achieve whatever dubious achievements I've achieved, but I didn't make the bit of me that works hard. And more than any more than I made the bit of me that ate too many burgers instead of attending lectures when I was here at UWA. Understanding that you can't truly take credit for your successes nor truly blame others for their failures will humble you and make you more compassionate. Empathy is intuitive but is also something you can work on intellectually. If you've got kids um, 
uh, sort of 11, 12 plus, you've got to play it to your kids mm. and um, send it to all family friends because it is one of the most amazing yeah. speeches we'll ever. Put- it makes you laugh and cry and feel full of hope. Yeah, we'll put a link in on, on the Intel app for that. You should definitely watch that. But it's on YouTube and uh, he, got, he gets an honorary doctorate and he, he gives a speech that is... I mean, it sums him up, really. Yes. So um, after that, he did another DVD, which has things like White Wine in the Sun on and stuff oh, like that. Oh, that's great. I think uh, that was possibly the one you sent It me. was, because yeah. Richard Bacon, who was a friend of mine, had him on his Five Live breakfast show. Not breakfast show, it was like a, a, a um, talk radio. He had a show in the afternoon, and he had Tim Minchin on, and he said, would you please play White Wine in the Sun? And I remember listening to that on the Daily Bacon podcast and being in tears in the back of the taxi. It was so <laughs> bloody moving. And what he has a tendency to do, I think, in his shows is to take you on a kind of emotional, emotional journey, journey, right? Mm. So you find yourself laughing. It's incredibly thought-provoking. He's a brilliant critical thinker. And did then you cry end, in the show? Yes. I did too. Yeah, there was one particular song he pulled out of the bag, which is a new one I hadn't heard before that really kind of knocked me for six. But he does... You leave having been on this this journey of all your feelings and emotions, and then you leave questioning your beliefs. He talked a lot about God. confirmation bias mm. and mm. God and how we're all slightly corrupt. And you think, God, I am, you know, like I mean, I'm it so is corrupt, you know. It's, uh, like a sort of philosophy and yeah. ethics uh, mm. lecture at the same time mm. as listening to great music and poetry. You do end up thinking mm. about more than just the music and, oh, and yeah. the words when you leave, which I love. That's incredible mm. to be able to do that. The other thing that I was amazed that he talked about, which I didn't know about, and you probably did because you're Mm -hmm. better at reading up about this stuff, but it's about the film that he was making in the States. So he'd left the UK. Mm -hmm. He lived here for a bit Mm -hmm. after he'd done his Edinburgh Fringe. And then he went to live in LA. And um, Well, he'd done Matilda. He'd done Matilda. And And then he got the offer, I think, to work on Broadway on Groundhog Day and then make this film. Sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Well, he'd been offered to make a DreamWorks animation film. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but he'd, he'd been asked to do the music for it first, and then he'd got so engrossed in the film, they'd offered him the job of directing the entire movie. And he was talking about a $100 million movie. Larrikins. And uh, I think they'd, they were three quarters done, and $50 million had been spent. And Hugh Jackman was playing the lead, yeah. Kangaroo, or whatever it was. And then I believe one company bought another company, and the film was written off as a tax loss, and the whole thing was wrapped up and shelved. And it seems I mean, that it absolutely brought him to his knees, that, I think. But it's unbelievable that you would think that something would be a dead cert. Mm-hmm. If they'd spent that amount of money, you have those huge names in it. Mm-hmm. You can be forgiven for thinking, mm-hmm. this is definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you can't imagine the kind of weird mixture of feelings about pride, yeah. you know, having like you put your tail between your legs, everybody knows you're making this movie, and it's through no fault of your own, it's not because it's come out and it's been a flop. No. It's just literally been cut before, and for no reason mm. other than new owners. But I think what was interesting about the, the show is his ability to um, to confess about how depressed he was, mm. but also be completely aware of his amazing privilege and success, and that, that dichotomy of of you're not allowed to be depressed because I've had all this success and wealth and money and one thing or another. And he managed to articulate that really, really well, just how it didn't really matter about this amazing house that he has in Sydney and his family and all the rest of it, that this experience that view of the was... the sea. <laughs> yeah, from the toilet. <laughs> um, that experience he had absolutely knocked him for six and he was it was brilliant to see somebody kind of open up about that, despite his successes, you know. 
um, were all susceptible to failure. And this is his first tour in eight years. Mm. And it's like a huge sort of I'm back. It was called uh, the I'm tour back, is called, The tour is called Back. Oh, is it called Back? <laughs> um, and sort of having come out of that depression mm-hmm. and he's through on the other side. The other thing that I loved about him, and it's something that he's really famous for, um, and it made me laugh because you are funny about your feet. And mm. not just your feet, everybody's feet. Mm-hmm. And um, he's obviously barefoot the whole time. Yeah. And his feet were in our face. Yeah. It, it was, was amazing. It was quite revolting. I really <laughs> did not want And he to. puts them on the piano. Yeah. And he put them all over the speakers in mm. front of us. I was really like, you know, I wanted to kind of hold your hand mm. through it. And go, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. They're going to go in a minute. Um, the other thing is he was on for about the first half hour on his own. Probably about the first hour oh, yeah. think, on his own. And we were saying how much we loved that. We yeah. were like, oh, just I love him, this. Just him piano. and the piano. Because you can really immerse yourself in the words mm-hmm. when it's just him and a piano. And a lot of it's about the words, really. Yes. Although he's this highly skilled musician. Oh, I want to hear what yeah, he's saying. Too. So I'm always slightly nervous when a band appears because I think, oh, the drumming's going to mask the, the singing or whatever. But anyway, this huge curtain drops down and there is a band. And we both went, oh. <gasps> and then we went, oh. Yeah, I didn't really want be? the band. But my God, what a so band. Good. They were so good. I mean, on every level, I think that was the best thing I'd seen. Musically, yes. it was one of the best gigs I'd ever been to. From a comedy perspective, it was one of the most funniest things I'd seen. The band went and off the charts. Just an art perspective. It was one of the best bits of performance art I've ever uh, experienced. It, and it was brilliant. It was so good. We had to walk and talk all the way back. Mm-hmm. So we didn't even get a taxi. No. We had to dissect it all the way back. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. So. If anybody gets the opportunity to see Tim Minchin ever, anywhere, grab it with both hands. He's one of those people, I don't know how often he's going to tour. Yes, um, either. How you know? How often is he going to come back? If he ever comes back again, mm-hmm. go see him. He's a genius. And you can listen, you, I mean, most of the albums you can get on iTunes and stuff like that. So you can listen to them or you can you can buy them as DVDs or downloads on iTunes. I'd highly recommend you watch them all. They're, they're all brilliant. Right, so this company, BAM. Mm-hmm. By the way, just quickly, we want to say that uh, we are not paid by any of the brands that uh, that we are reviewing. We're reviewing these just for fun. So a long time ago, I think I must have bought something bamboo mm-hmm. from this company called Bam. Mm-hmm. And they have sent me in the last month two envelopes, uh, having not bought anything for at least a year, okay. two envelopes with a pair of socks in. So I had two pairs of socks and I opened it and I thought, oh God, it's socks. I only ever wear sports socks because mm-hmm. I exercise so much. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, I'll just put them on the side. And then the other day I thought... I'm going to put on the bamboo socks. I'm going to try them. And I put them on and I was like, oh my God, this is like a party for my feet. This is the best thing I have ever felt. Mm -hmm. They are extraordinary. Now, I know you love a sock. I I do, yeah. You like socks. I mean, I I spent most of my life wearing two pairs of socks. That's how much I like socks. Can you just explain to everybody why you did that? Well, I don't really know why I did it, but I I it was just like a comfort thing, like... I think one of the problems was I couldn't buy shoes that fit me very well. You've got very narrow feet. I've got quite small feet. Um, So I I would wear two pairs of socks for that, but there was just something comforting and nice about them. And at school, what I would often do is 
and I would wear these two pairs of socks and then I'd rotate them the following day, you know, so I'd take <laughs> the ones that had been in contact with my feet and then put them on the outside. That's so, such a boy thing yeah, to do. Yeah, it is such a boy thing to do, yeah. So but that's how much I, I, I love socks. I mean, I, what I like is padded socks. Like, I want them padded under my feet. I like, oh. you know. Okay. Look, but the also thing that I do want to now. point out here is that I've got a couple of problems with this. I'm looking at these socks and they look a bit too thin for thin. me. Yes. So that's one thing. The other thing is bamboo. Like I've got bamboo growing in my garden. Yes. It's scratchy, like yes. horrible. This is what's tough, so amazing about them. Thing. So with that in mind, mm-hmm. I'm going to pass you the socks mm-hmm. now. I want you to feel them. Oh, God almighty, they're nice, aren't they? They're so soft. Now, bamboo, they can make everything out of it. I had a bamboo carpet in my bedroom at the old house. Uh Wholly impractical. Um, You can't wash it, so you can't spill anything on it. If you spill something on it, basically, it's ruined. The dogweed on my bamboo carpet. Uh Dogweed was there forever. I had to put a rug over it. But it was the take your socks off immediately Uh and walk on bamboo carpet with your bare feet. Bamboo is unbelievably soft the big thing that i think is the huge difference about bamboo is that it is environmentally much better for our planet than cotton okay in a huge way it uses a third less water to grow bamboo and you don't have to replant it it always just self-replenishes that's why it's a nightmare in the garden which is why it's a nightmare it grows all over Uh the place um, but it is fantastic if you want to manufacture something out of it. And non-organic cotton requires a third of a pound of fertilizer per pound and can be what well, basically uses tons of fertilizer and mm-hmm. therefore pesticides. And bamboo doesn't need nearly as much. So it, it's more environmentally friendly yeah. than all the man-made, lovely, cushiony, soft, spongy socks that I like. And, uh-huh. and it's more absorbent, sweaty feet. and it's more breathable than cotton and it smells better and stays cleaner which when you're talking socks is huge Uh but I want you to try them on okay (laughs) how uncomfortable are you on a scale of one to ten like but can you feel there is a softer bit in the heel and at the toe and at the toe I'm excited about that okay put them on stop uh, try them because on when I put them on (laughs) and I've got mine on today um, I, it's a, it, they are beautiful. Like, they're so How nice. How high do they come up? They don't look like up they to, up to here. I mean, I no, do they like do a, come up a high. Like a knee sock, you know. Well, if you pulled them a bit more, obviously I'm just being. Okay. Give, give, oh my god, I'm so excited. Do it, do it. Okay. Do it. Oh my god. Right. I'll have to come slightly close to the mic. Oh, my nuts. Oh, crikey. Do you like them? They feel really nice, right? And your feet just slide in. I didn't think they would fit me. Um, Did you think they were too small? Babies, and they stretch quite a lot. Oh God! Right. Well, I mean, first of all, putting clean socks on, new clean socks, is just a a joy, anyway. And on this website, they sell them four packs, nineteen pounds fifty for four. For four pairs of socks, nineteen pounds fifty. Yes, that's extortionate. Well, not when you're talking about how many times you can wash them uh-huh. and they always come like they're amazing, they're breathable. Do you know one of the problems? They're better with for that? the environment. They are better for the environment, but the environment that I would have to damage to earn <laughs> £19 to buy the socks is a worry. Uh, all the hair washing I have to do 
to earn £19. Let me see if I can find you any cheaper on uh, bamboo socks on the Yeah, um, are they patented by this company? Um, No, it appears not. And what's the company called? Seven packs, 35 quid. Better? Is that is that too much still? It is a lot for socks. I mean, mm. I'm like a, I get my socks at Sainsbury's. You know? like, yes, but the, but yeah, I mean, we are talking. This is probably the going price would be roughly that. So uh, how much is that? Thirty five pounds for seven. Yeah. Can you do any maths on that? How much is it? Um, so five? seven sixes are forty two. Uh, so it would be seven fives, thirty five. Yeah. Five or a pair. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go for a little walk. Like just around okay. here. Okay, go. Up. Have you put them both on? I put them both on. Mm. I mean, I think I wore two pairs of socks largely to make my feet look bigger. So they do make them look very narrow. I've got very narrow feet. But like that aside, okay. are they the softest socks you've ever worn? They are bloody gorgeous. Yeah. They are lovely. Yes. So I would say uh-huh. as a gift then, if £5 is too much for you to mm-hmm. spend on yourself, they're a great gift. What are you going to give bamboo socks out of 10? Well, uh, price aside, I would say they're a 7 on 10. But a thick sock, I could definitely go a 10 on 10. Even at £15? No, I said price aside. Okay. I mean, at £2.50, they would okay. go through the roof. Um, but I wonder I mean, why they're, they're so much more expensive. They must, they must just cost more to make, right? If you uh, aren't listening with the Entel app, uh, give it a go. It's a really, really nice way of sort of watching what we're doing while we're doing it, but also being able to access information um, on everything that we're talking about. So uh, give that a go. Yeah, and also, if we're talking about something you're not that interested in, you can bump through it, right? Yeah. You can skip one bit and move on to the next bit. Yeah, but don't do that. Not that that'll happen. <laughs> but just in case. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.